Okay, so before we get into this episode, I just want to apologize in advance. There's a part of this episode where I'm going through different free agent signings that I liked or didn't like or trade acquisitions, whatever. And when I get to Jabril Peppers, I called him Julius Peppers like seven different times. So you're going to now especially notice it because I'm bringing it up, but I had to address that. I know his name is Jabril. I got it wrong. I apologize. Um, Yeah. Enjoy the episode. Hey guys, what's going on? It's your host, Julia Gardner, and welcome back to my podcast, Starting or Settling. Now, for this episode, I was really debating about what I wanted to talk about because obviously, based on the topic of my podcast that I spoke of in the introduction episode, talking about the new year five days in is a little bit late, Um, and talking about sort of New Year's resolutions and, you know, just that feeling of starting fresh. Um, but I feel like there's been some other things going on related to sports and entertainment that also passed and are very relevant. Um, and I really just could not, not do this episode. I really felt like I had to record this as quick as I could because I'm still very emotional and, um, very, very mad at what happened. And so for those of you who don't have any clue what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the New York Giants. Like I said in my first episode, I am a huge Giants fan. I have been my whole life. My parents grew up Giants fans. And so, you know, it's sort of in our blood at this point. Um, And the Giants had an interesting season. They've been bad for a pretty long time now, quite a few years. And they finished the season off six and 10, For those of you that aren't football fans, that is not good. Um, But somehow they still finished in second place in their division um, because the division was awful. Uh, They had the opportunity to potentially make the playoffs uh, as of this past Sunday, which was the last week of the regular season, and they didn't. And I'm going to get into that in a little bit. But I just wanted to first review their season, review some major players on the team, the coaches, GM, the future for this team, and what I hope to see next year. So, starting off, the Giants have a brand new head coach in Joe Judge. This was his first season as a head coach ever, let alone for the Giants. And to be honest with you, when he initially got hired, everybody was shocked. Um, There were other candidates that seemed much more qualified, whose names were being thrown around the league quite often. Um, And the Giants kind of just through this out of left field, it seemed like, and everybody was confused as to why they picked him compared to some other candidates that were available. And I have to say, even though the Giants finished six and ten, I I really like the direction that Joe Judge has this team in. He has a team full of a lot of young guys with not a lot of experience, and he turned them into a respectable football team, a team that looks like the arrows pointing upward and that they're heading in the right direction. Um, One of the biggest questions going into the year was how the players would respond to a coach like Joe Judge. He worked under Bill Belichick for quite a few years, also under Nick Saban at Alabama for quite a few years. So his resume obviously uh, looks good. 
And he's an old school coach. He had coaches and players running laps during training camp over the summer whenever they made mistakes. And that was something that was heavily criticized by the media because it was, you know, old school and players wouldn't like it and blah, blah, blah. When in reality, all I saw from the Giants this year was a team lacking a lot of talent that fought for every single second of every single game. They played a full 60 minutes every game and no, it wasn't pretty. And yes, they made mistakes, but this team showed guts. They showed resiliency. And that is something that has been missing from the Giants for years. I say, I would argue that honestly, this team has not looked this resilient since Tom Coughlin was head coach. And even though Tom Coughlin's uh, coaching career came to an end because of a terrible football team um, that he had, I have to say, just seeing this team fight the way that they did all year, knowing that in a majority of the games that they played, they were outmanned. It, it was really encouraging as a Giants fan because, like I said before, it seems like the arrow's pointing in the right direction. And so I think there's a bright future for this team or more so for Joe Judge as the head coach. Now, obviously, there's a lot of factors that come into um you know, this team besides him is just being the coach, and that is the talent, the players. And so the Giants just announced today that they are bringing back GM Dave Gettleman for what will now be his fourth year. Um, and he's done some good things and some bad things. He's been with the team for three years, and the team is an overall 15 and 33 record, which is awful. Um, I do have to say, when he was brought in, the Giants needed a ton of help and they still do but he looks Gettleman has put some pieces in place some good foundational pieces in place that I can see in maybe the next two to three years the Giants being contenders if they continue to grow in the way that they have now there have been some debates as to his decisions regarding both drafts and free agency and trades um, but there's also been you know I'd say it's about 50-50. So one of the biggest debates the Giants had, and it was very early on in Gettleman's time with the Giants, was drafting Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley is arguably one of the most naturally talented running backs in the NFL. But so far with the Giants, he's played on a team with a terrible offensive line, and he's had a lot of injuries. And despite that, he's still played well from what we've seen. He was out all year this year, this being his third year, um, with a torn ACL that he got, I think in week two, uh, which was really, really upsetting because I, I miss watching him play. He's, he's just so versatile. He's elusive. He's so quick and he's powerful. Um, and we've seen the giants now sort of build their very young offensive line throughout this year. And we've seen them progress. So I'm very, very excited to see Saquon Barkley behind what looks to be this new and improved and young offensive line. But with that being said, the question is, given that Barkley's going into his fourth year, that means after this year, he's, the Giants, if they choose to pick up his option, which I'm assuming they will, are they going to want to sign Barkley to a big contract? And to be honest with you, I'm on the fence because as much as I love the guy, I don't love the idea of paying a running back a ton of money just because their careers don't last long. He himself has proven that he's very injury prone and you know, as much as I love him, I think the Giants could get a good amount for him in a trade if he has a really good year next season, which is very possible. Um, so I don't know. It's it's going to be very interesting. And, and the controversy with taking Saquon 
um, came with, you know, not taking, um, you know, offensive linemen or filling the other needs that the Giants had and needed to be filled so desperately. So, I mean, listen, we're going to see where Saquon's career goes and where, you know, the Giants take him. And I think it's a shame that he's been playing on this really crappy Giants team for the first three years, granted really two years given the injury of his career, because I do think um, with a competent offensive line and offensive coordinator, he can do some really special things, which he's shown um, glimpses of. Another, uh, I would say, knock on Dave Gettleman was his Golden Tate signing. Uh, Golden Tate is a veteran wide receiver. He's small, which, first of all, that's one of the biggest issues on the Giants right now is their wide receivers. They're all small. They're all always injured. And they're really not that good. And I don't understand what Dave Gettleman saw in Golden Tate that made him think that he was a weapon that was going to significantly improve this wide receiving core. He traded away Odell Beckham Jr., which I'm going to get into that trade in a bit, but he traded away one of the best wide receivers in the NFL and then brought Golden Tate in as if that was going to do anything. I mean, I don't understand that trade. I still don't. Um, I think Golden Tate contract is up right now, so uh, I don't expect him to be back. Uh, He'll probably go somewhere else, a team that maybe just wants more depth at the wide receiver position, Um, but that's a knock for me on him because the Giants had Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton uh, at their wide receivers. And to be honest with you, I like Shepard and Slayton. Shepard, he can't really say healthy, but he's always reliable when he's on the field. And Slayton has shown his big playmaking ability. He's also, though, just been injured, and at times he's just completely disappeared from games. And so it really makes you wonder um, how much help the Giants – actually needed this position given that to me honestly on a good football team or a team that has comparable um wider like Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate and Darius Slayton to me are two threes and fours on your team they're not number one um and so I think the Giants need to draft or sign one or two much better wide receivers than they have now because if you have Shepard, Slayton, and two other really good wide receivers, that's a totally different ball game. But you can't have those guys being your number ones because they just are not one number one wide receiver material. Um, another knock on Dave Gettleman was his Nate Solder signing. Nate Solder was signed to a huge contract by the Giants, um, and he was signed to play left tackle, which is arguably one of the most important positions and one of the hardest positions to play in football. And to be honest with you, once they signed him, everyone knew that it was a mistake, at least to give him as much money as they did. And it didn't work out. He was bad. He was really, really, really bad. He was a complete liability. And it just forced the Giants to waste a ton of money on him because no one was going to take him. And I will say this, I felt bad getting so annoyed with Nate Solder because he is a really good guy and he works hard. And I like the attitude that he always carried in terms of, you know, being a professional and being a hard worker. And I think he's a good leader in a locker room. But to sign an, an old veteran left tackle to a crazy contract and have him perform that the way that he did, that was awful and it was an awful move by Dave Gettleman and he Nate Solder had played on the Patriots prior to that signing and I had spoken to some friends who were Patriots fans and they said it was a stupid deal from the jump and the Giants should have never given him that money and they were shocked that he got it so that is yet again another knock and the last knock I'm gonna give 
uh, Dave Gettleman is Evan Ingram. I have no clue how Evan Ingram made the Pro Bowl. Obviously, he got lucky that George Kittle was out for basically the entire year with an injury, but Evan Ingram is an embarrassment. He is so bad. Dating back to the first Eagles game of the season where he dropped the game ceiling easy catch on third down with two minutes left to go in the game, he had dropped since his start in the NFL in 2017, 21 passes, which was by far and away the most by any tight end in the league. And that's not even counting the rest of the season. In the last week, this week when the Giants played Dallas, he had two drops. One of them went for an interception because it went legitimately off his face mask and into the safety's hands. So I don't I don't understand how he made the Pro Bowl. I don't understand why the Giants traded didn't trade him at the, before the trade deadline because they allegedly had offers from some people who were apparently on crack because I don't understand what people see in Evan Ingram that makes you say he's worth it. He's not. He consistently makes mistakes, and his mistakes come at the worst times in games. And yes, he shows you flashes of his speed and playmaking ability, but that is not comparable to the mistakes that he makes. His mistakes are so bad, and they are so consistent that there is not one person who is sane on this earth that can honestly say he's worth resigning. He is a complete liability on the field, and he should not be on the Giants roster next year. I don't care where he goes. I don't care how we get him out of here, but he's got to be gone because I cannot take it. Now, getting on to some more positive uh, Dave Gettleman moves. The very first one, I think the biggest one um, that all of us really took notice to was trading Odell. That wasn't the first move. The first move was drafting Saquon. But one of the biggest moves was trading Odell Beckham Jr. and Olivier Vernon, but mostly Odell, to the Browns. Uh, and from that trade, the Giants received uh, Julius Peppers, a safety. And then they received uh, Kevin Zeitler, uh, an offensive lineman. And then they received two draft picks to which they took Dexter Lawrence and O'Shane Eximinus. I believe that's how you say his name. And... Everyone acknowledges for the most part now that the Giants won that trade. I mean, it's a shame that Odell also tours ACL this season, ending his season very, very early. And honestly, his time in Cleveland, I think he's realized that he had it a little bit better than maybe he thought he did in New York. Um, but honestly, hey, he's not lived up to the hype that we all thought he had given his talent. There's no denying Odell's talent. He is one of the best natural talents I've ever seen in my lifetime. And so it's, it is a shame to see the drop off his career is taken between just poor play, um, poor quarterback play and injuries. Um, but with that being said, the giants got Zeitler who was okay. He's, he's fine. I, I'm not really looking at him that much. Uh, Julius Peppers. Julius Peppers last year, he had an injury, I do know, but he looked okay. But as this year has gone on, his play has progressed immensely. And I do credit a lot of that as well to Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator, Joe Judge, this coaching staff. I don't know what they did, but Julius Peppers has been all over the field every single game, especially I'd say for the last two thirds of the season and to see his progression, knowing how young he is and the potential that this giant secondary has given all the talent they have and how young they are. I mean, Julius Peppers, I'm really happy with him. He looks very smart. He he's involved in almost every play and 
I can't name a time where he didn't make a play that often this season. And, and just seeing that in his progression um, and the potential in him, really, really love that. And obviously, Dexter Lawrence has been great. He's a defensive lineman, interior defensive lineman. He's huge. He's a huge run stopper. He also gets after the quarterback a little bit. He's a bit faster than I think his size would lead many to believe. Um, but it's really exciting to watch him play because, once again, he's also very young out of Clemson. And, you know, I like what I've seen from him so far. Oshin Eximinus, uh, the Giants signed him to be a pass rusher, and he was on IR basically all year. I think he got hurt in, against the Rams. He got a shoulder injury. Um, so we really haven't seen much from him. And I am curious to see what he's capable of because the Giants sounded very high on him, um, obviously. So I'm curious to see where that goes. But overall, I think Dave Gettleman did a good job in winning that trade because it was a very controversial trade. Giants fans, Giants writers were pissed. They were so confused. I was one of those people as well, I will admit. Um, So we're going to see where these young, talented guys take us. And I do have to credit, we do have to credit Dave Gettleman for that trade. Another big trade Gettleman made was trading for Big Cat, Leonard Williams. Uh, They got him from the Jets, and a lot of people were really confused by it. And, you know, Leonard Williams was drafted super, super high. I think he was taken in the first round by the Jets, and he didn't really do much. He kind of seemed like a bust. But then he comes to the Giants, and this year he had 10.5 sacks. He had a few fumble recoveries. He was all over the place this year. And he still, I feel like, sometimes has some lapses, um mentally when it comes to sealing the edge on runs or against running quarterbacks um, or, you know, stupid roughing the pass or penalties here and there. But overall, I mean, on an, on a team that doesn't blitz often, Leonard Williams still had double digit sacks and, you know, our pass rush still needs a lot of help, but imagine if the giants can get a legitimate pass rusher in there with Leonard Williams, it's going to be a field day for him. And I'm very, very excited to see, what he does in the future. And lastly, uh, this past uh, offseason with free agency probably, I think, saved Dave Gettleman's job. Um, just to mention on the defense, three big names to me, James Bradbury, Logan Ryan, and Blake Martinez. I mean, these guys, James Bradbury is the best corner in the league. He was so good and he's locked down. Um, I'm super, super stoked to have him on the team because I remember when back in 2015, 2016, when the Giants had Janoris Jenkins and he was killing it and he was playing like the best corner in the league. It's fun when you can have a corner play man to man on another team's wide receiver, best wide receiver and shut him down. And um, with that, Logan Ryan too, a veteran guy, the Giants just signed him to another three year deal. So he'll probably end his career here in New York. And um, he's also, he's just a very smart player. And also, Blake Martinez, I don't know why the Packers didn't re-sign him because he's been a tackling machine. It's a shame that he did not make the Pro Bowl this year because I don't even know what anyone else is looking at. I mean, he was breaking Giants franchise records. He was all over the field. I don't think he's ever missed a tackle from what I've seen. like He is so reliable and has solidified uh, the, the middle of that defense for the Giants. So the Giants have a lot of young guys on their team. They've got a lot of and a few veterans as well who are very smart. But either way, I would say for the most part, while Dave Gettleman has fixed uh, some pieces and has brought in some guys that are certainly bright spots for the future, he's left a lot 
open and a lot of question marks on this team and has still failed to give a quarterback help. And I'm, and I mean that with both Eli and, and Daniel Jones. And he's failed to get a pass rush, which I think uh, the Giants have really needed because especially with Patrick Graham as their defensive coordinator now, who is not a big fan of blitzing. Um, but, you know, now that we know that Gettleman's back for this year, I, we just have to hope that he, you know, fills those holes. If he fills those holes with the types of guys that he, for example, signed in free agency this year, I'll be stoked because that means that the Giants are setting themselves up for a lot of future success. But we'll see. So now moving on to the future of this team, it comes down to the draft and free agency. And the three spots um, that me and my brothers and my dad have talked about that the Giants need the most, I think number one is wide receiver. If you're assuming you get Saquon back, you're assuming the Giants hopefully sign Wayne Gallman to another contract, you got your running back set. The Giants offensive line is young and it still makes mistakes, but it seems like it's pulling it together week by week and has shown significant improvement from week one to week 17. So that leaves the quarterbacks and the wide receivers. Daniel Jones is interesting. Um, We need to see a big, big jump from him. Um, We've seen sparks from him that that make you excited. Um, When he has time and can, you know, step into his throws in the pocket, his accuracy, his ability to throw the deep ball, and his mobility are major, major ups for the Giants. Mobility is something the Giants haven't had in a quarterback basically since Dan- or since Eli, or not since Eli, because of Eli. And Jones is really the first quarterback we've had in, in my lifetime to, to be able to move at all. Um, and he is accurate with his throws when he has time and he's not, you know, being chased by three defenders, you know, to the right or to the left side of the line. Um, and his deep ball accuracy, he's had his moments in games. In Tampa, he wasn't great. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It's still... There's a lot of inconsistencies with him. And then with concerns that you've had with him that haven't been improved, turnovers, uh, his lack of pocket awareness, and his injuries. Um, these are all big question marks for him. And I, I want, I'm going to support him because I have to, because Joe Judge has made it very clear he's committed to Daniel Jones for next year. And listen... If he can significantly improve, that's great because the Giants don't have to worry about finding a quarterback. And But I think the only way that that happens is honestly if you get him some weapons because what Dave Gullman has done to the Giants wide receiving core to me is atrocious and it's unacceptable. I mean, we have nobody. We literally have nobody. I can't count how many times Daniel Jones had time in the pocket and literally nobody was open. So then I was like, why is he not throwing the football? Is he just not seeing the field well? Like, what's going on? But then when Colt McCoy, I I know I can't believe I'm using Colt McCoy, but when Colt McCoy came in for two games, he had time in the pocket too and just nobody's getting open. And, And part of that also, I'm sure, has to do with Jason Garrett. I mean, Jason Garrett was awful this year granted he wasn't working with much either but if you just look at the schemes if you look at the play calling there was there was no consistency when the Giants were moving the ball well he then calls some BS you know trick play that never worked and lost us like five yards and completely killed the momentum of the drive wide receivers are running routes right next to each other so there's nowhere to throw the football nobody's getting open and 
one reason why I think you can easily blame Jason Garrett for the lack of production offensively is because with the exception of Saquon for a good portion of games, the personnel for the Giants offensively did not change and the offensive line got better. And the Giants scoring went down tremendously. So there is no way in my mind that the Giants should keep Jason Garrett as offensive coordinator. To be honest with you, I don't think Joe Judge will. I do trust his judgment and I'm just praying that they can find somebody else because I cannot watch another year of the Giants offense looking incompetent. And now, lastly, what I've been waiting to talk about, and I'm going to try to contain myself because I have to remember I can't be too reckless with what I say because I am still looking for a job. So I you know, really have to be careful of what I say. But the Eagles, for those of you who don't know, the NFL decided to make the Washington and Philly Week 17 final game of the regular season on Sunday night football, primetime football, and this was the scenario. If Washington won that game, which they did, they made it to the playoffs. If Washington lost that game and Philly won, then the winner of the 1 o'clock game earlier in the day between the Giants and the Dallas Cowboys would have been the division champion, and then moved on to the playoffs. The Giants beat the Cowboys. So I'm sitting there, I'm on a high. I'm like, we just beat the Cowboys for the first time in like three years, and we're going to move on. And, you know, we're going to be Philly fans tonight. It's going to be gross because I have to root for Philly, but I'm going to do it. And, you know, if there's by some miracle any way that Philly can pull this thing out, we're going to be playing Tom Brady in the playoffs on Saturday night, and I can't wait. We get to the the, the whole week leading up to the – week 17, we just keep hearing more and more players that the Eagles are sitting out because of injuries, but it was like 10 starters, which never happens. Usually many, it's very common for NFL players to play injured, um, you know, as long as it's safe. And, you know, going into the game, I'm thinking, okay, Philly's probably going to lose because they're sitting everyone. So the game starts, Washington gets out to a very quick 10-0 lead. And I'm like, all right, we're screwed. Philly's just tanking, whatever, it's over. Then out of nowhere, Philly comes back and scores 14 unanswered to go up 14-10, end up going down 17-14 to start the second half. So Washington is winning 17-14. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, Jalen Hurts came back in, the starting quarterback for the Eagles. We've got a shot. They don't really score. They don't really move the ball. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the Eagles pick off the Washington at like the 18 or 17 yard line. So all Philly needs to do is either score a touchdown to take the lead or tie the game with a field goal. And they were in field goal position. They move the ball down to get into the red zone. It's fourth and goal because they, you know, they couldn't score. And Doug Peterson decides to go for it, which is very common for Doug Peterson to do. He's known to go for it. And I knew he was going to instead of trying to tie the game. And honestly, I couldn't blame him for that because I was like, the Eagles, honestly, this game means nothing to them. Whether they win or lose, they're not making the playoffs, whatever. They go for it. They don't get it. And I'm like, okay, it's still a three-point game. Let's see. And then, so eventually Washington punts the ball back to Philly. And Philly has the ball to start the fourth quarter at like the six-yard line. And all of a sudden, this white guy comes trotting onto the field and it's Nate Sudfeld. And I'm like, who the hell is Nate Sudfeld? Nobody knows who that is. And for very good reason, I'm trying not to laugh too much, but I remember watching him in the pocket before he snaps the ball 
and he literally looked like he's never seen a football in his life. He looked so unathletic. It was embarrassing. And I felt bad for him because on top of that, he's coming in and, and taking some snaps and he hasn't all year. But then he's going up against one of the best defensive lines and Chase Young for Washington. I mean, it was absurd. And it was so blatantly obvious that the Eagles were tanking that game to pull your starter who's healthy. It's embarrassing. Because here's the thing. As a Giants fan, obviously, I'm more upset about this because it, you know it affected the Giants. If the Eagles had won that game, the Giants would be in the playoffs. I understand teams tanking because Philly got a draft pick that was better because they lost than if they won. I understand all that. I understand, you know, you control your own destiny. And if you can't, whatever, you can't leave your destiny in the or your fate in the hands of another team. That's just the rule of thumb. And the Giants did not deserve to be mad if the Eagles or the Giants wouldn't have deserved to be mad if the Eagles lost that game because they had to leave it in Philly's hands. And you should never do that. But what I'm mad about is not the fact that Philly lost, not the fact that Philly was tanking, because that's very common, but it was the way that they did it. If they had started Nate, whoever the hell, whatever his last name is, like to start the game, that's okay, fine. You know, put me, put me out of my misery early then. Like, that's that's totally fine. I understand. That's how it happens. Whatever. But the fact that you make me stay up to watch the trash Washington football team and the Philadelphia Eagles to to lead me to think that with a three-point lead that Washington can blow it and that Philly and Jalen Hurts can, you know, play some miracle football and march down the field and score a touchdown and the Giants will go to the playoffs and beat Tom Brady because that's what they do. But no, Nate Sudfeld walks onto the field as if the world is fine and everything's great, and this is totally normal. And Doug Peterson, I'm sure, with that smug look on his face under his stupid mask, walking around with his stupid headset, I mean, it is just ridiculous. And and I know I'm not overreacting because the rest of the league felt the same way. It was so clear to make your guys go out there, in, in all seriousness, the, take the Giants out of this, like, in all seriousness, you ask your players to go out there and compete for 60 minutes. You ask them for three quarters in that game to play their hearts out, and then you rip it all away because you're a selfish prick. I, I, don't, I don't know why he did it. I don't know why he did it the way that he did it. I'm sure the Eagles were planning on losing this game from the start. But then just lose the game like a normal team and just play poorly. Just lose. Don't make me sit there and watch your trash team, you know, take it all away from me. I, oh, it's so, stu- it's so stupid and it's classless and it's spineless. And it is honestly disgraceful because that is not how you play football. That is not how you represent the NFL. It is absolutely absurd. And to be honest, because reports came out that Doug Peterson was going to come back after this year and that his job was safe. And I understand that because he won a Super Bowl with the team a few years ago. But I don't see any player willing to play for that piece of garbage anymore. I don't. Because you just basically said, forget winning. I don't I don't want to win. I don't support a winning culture here. That is trash. That is literal trash. And that embodies the Philadelphia Eagles to a T. Absolute trash, a waste of space, a waste of time. 
and I hope they never win another football game ever again. I hope their number six draft pick that they so desperately wanted is an absolute bust. I literally want nothing more than to play the Philadelphia Trash Eagles week one Sunday night prime time and beat the living hell out of them. I want us to run up the score and never look back. And you know Joe Judge is going to do it. And I cannot wait because the Eagles are so bad. Like, the Giants are bad, but the Eagles are bad, bad. And I cannot wait for that. So I'm, like, out of breath because I really got into that. Okay, to end this podcast, I just wanted to let you guys know, I tweeted out the next morning after that disgrace of a move that Doug Peterson pulled. And I tweeted, go follow my Twitter, by the way. Um, good morning. I still hate the Eagles, but it makes me feel better that after the disgrace of a move Doug Peterson pulled last night, that the rest of the league does too. (laughs) And somebody, I don't know who it was, somebody responded and he goes, is there another city anywhere with as many classless sports franchises, fans, or coaching staff? Philadelphia has been the trailer trash of American sports and fan base for years. No more scumbags anywhere, and this culture permeates throughout like the stench of downtown Philly. And I think that that is the perfect way to end this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hate the Philadelphia Eagles. And next episode, expect something a little bit more on topic uh, from what I talked about last episode. So thank you so much, and I'll catch you guys next time.